Welcome to the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths Podcast. Join us as we speak the truth about home ownership, the housing market, and the place we call home, Hamilton. Come on in and make yourself comfortable. Hi there, and welcome back to the Lodge Home Truths Podcast, where we unlock your knowledge on home ownership, the housing market, and the place we love to call home, Hamilton. I'm uh, your host, Lodge Managing Director, Jeremy O'Rourke, and in today's episode, we're going to talk to Mark Morgan, who is CEO of Hamilton Airport. While you might not think the airport has much to do with uh, the real estate market, it is the gateway to the region, the growth that the growth that the airport enjoys creates opportunity, and the success will ultimately influence the future of Hamilton. So we're going to update, uh, get an update from Mark on the Hamilton Airport and what plans he has up his sleeve. So welcome here today, Mark. Thanks, Jeremy. Look, it's great to be here, and it's great to have an opportunity to talk a wee bit about um, the airport and our plans. Before we get start, Mark, started, Mark, we've got a regular section here. It's called uh, Two Truths and a Lie, and I know you've got a uh, couple of Two Truths and a Lie there for us. So what we'll do is we'll hear those, and at the end of the segment, or at the end of the episode, we're going to hear which one is, in fact, uh, fiction and which one is actually fact. So over to you. Okay, look, uh, uh, these are focused on the business. So the first is that almost 1 million people interact with the airport on an annual basis. Number two, Hamilton is the second largest regional airport by annual passenger volume. And the third, the group has one of the largest balance sheets of all regional airports across New Zealand. I'm stumped by it, so I'll be interested in hearing which one is actually uh, fiction at the end of uh, the segment. So, um, Mark, you were here a couple of weeks ago, and the team were lucky enough to hear uh, in your presentation the plans that the airport has. So um, we found it really, really valuable, and it just keeps us up to date with what is going on at the uh, in the city and at the airport in the last couple of years. And I wonder... Um, if before you talk to us through your future plans, uh, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about uh, the Hamilton Airport and, and what you've recently completed. Okay, Jeremy. So, uh, look, I think the uh, the biggest uh, project in the last couple of years, of course, has been our terminal redevelopment. And that started out um, really as a requirement to seismically strength strengthen the terminal, uh, but that led into a full-blown uh, refurbishment. And, of course, it was interrupted by COVID, uh, but what I would say it uh, was a much-needed refurbishment, and that was the feedback we were receiving from our customers. Uh, and uh, those of you that go out to the airport terminal today will get a real sense of arrival that uh, the terminal represents uh, mana whenua and the cultural journey as you sort of enter the, uh, the mighty Waikato um, and the home of Kingitanga. So that has uh, really been a celebration of Te Ao Māori for, for the company and for the region. Uh, I think um, the other point I'd make is that project, uh, if we put the backdrop of COVID, was completed at uh, a cost of $15 million and was actually completed on budget, uh, or slightly below budget, which I think is a credit to the team. Uh, that um, supported that project. Uh, I think in addition, the other big project uh, was the refurbishment of Jet Park Hotel after the exit of the MIQ facilities. Uh, And again, that now presents a four-star property to the market again. 
as well as a number of other uh, work around our infrastructure and land development that we'll probably talk about a wee bit further on. Great to hear a construction um, project coming in uh, under budget, Mark. Because I mean that's been that's been really difficult. So well done to uh, well done to the team. And I guess you came out of a, a COVID environment, and within that environment, basically it almost shut down the uh, airport, shut down travel. So, you know, what was what were some of the things that you had to consider um, through that period? Look, I think the the, uh, uh, the backdrop would be March twenty twenty, uh, and if we look at April twenty twenty. We would normally have 40,000 passengers through the terminal. We had four. So I think that demonstrates the the impact it had on our airport company. Uh, and, of course, the hotel emptied overnight. So we had two of our largest income-generating assets absolutely hammered by, by COVID. Um, if we fast-forward through COVID, um, uh, ironically, the group had record financial results during 2021 and 2022. And that was on the back of the hotel became an MIQ facility and the the income and profit from the hotel replaced the lost earnings from the airport. Uh, And then, of course, the airport uh, began to recover. Uh, We were fortunate, uh, I guess due to other misfortunes, that with Auckland locked down, uh, many in the Waikato wanted to travel south during uh, periods where you could travel through those COVID years. So we benefited from the fact people couldn't travel overseas, but they could travel domestically. And often, even when Auckland was open, chose to fly out of Hamilton uh, to avoid Auckland and the issues, uh, perceptions around around COVID. So it ironically worked very well for our group. Uh, yeah. I guess, um, you know, if we pick up on that, um, you know, in times of crisis, it's actually looking for those um, opportunities rather than actually thinking um, everything's got to actually shut you down. Well, that's right. And I should also add that we had record land sales that um, were transacted pre-COVID and all of them settled uh, uh, during COVID. So that was also fortunate. And I think what it just demonstrated is that... Um, we have this diversification strategy, a 10-year strategy in place. We never perceived uh, a pandemic. But what we did perceive was um, uh, we needed we had an over-reliance when I joined on the aeronautical business and the aeronautical income. Uh, and if, uh, if that changed, then the group was at risk. And so nowadays the aeronautical income only represents about a third of the group income as opposed to 80% five years ago. It's good to hear. Um, so, you know, you got through the COVID years and it sounded like you got through them um, remarkably remarkably well. So what, what does the immediate future look like for the, uh, uh, for the airport now that we've, uh, we, we're through the pandemic? Look, I think um, like most companies, uh, we're grappling with um, economic uncertainty. Uh, but what I would say is that uh, the hotel is back trading. It's trading uh, within a range that we anticipated this year, but we need to rebuild through Jet Park, who managed the property, the hotel. And our aeronautical business needs to rebuild as well. Uh, we're sort of back at um, plus 90% of pre-COVID um, uh, uh, loads and passenger numbers. Uh, but um, there is still, that's not quite where we would like to be. So I think we've got another 12 months or so that will be um, a a re uh, sort of uh, growing those parts of our business. Um, 
Of course, during this period, um, uh, uh, land uh, sales and in land inquiry has all but dried up. Fortunately, we weren't um, reliant on land sales at this particular time. Uh, and, and we'll talk about Northern, I'm sure, coming up, which is our big uh, project over the next sort of few years. But I, I think for us, um, it's about um, uh, slowly uh, rebuilding those parts of our business and also... Uh, we've just completed a master plan of the airport that takes us out to 2052. So we're very clear on uh, the requirements of the aeronautical business for the next 30 years. Uh, and we've also just forecast out our uh, next 10 years to 2033. So we're very clear on the uh, capital required to invest in the business over the next decade. Uh, and so I think we're, um, we're in good shape to, um, I suppose, potentially ride out a bit of economic um, turbulence uh, with, a, with uh, an intention by the mid-2020s to be fully engaged in our, in our big project. I want to pick up on um, on that uh, part on uh, oh, that piece on land diversification because I mean, my thought, when I think of an airport, I think of you know, passenger movements and landing fees and those sorts of things. But what I found fascinating about the presentation that you gave us mm-hmm. was just how the airport is working on that land diversification. So do you want to lead us into that and yeah. tell us how you're working with different groups to actually materialise that and make it happen? Look, I think there's a, there's a couple of points in there. I think that um, uh, there's no question that we're an airport with a property company, and um, and sometimes that can be misinterpreted. But I think if we look around the world and we look around New Zealand, uh, airports have um, non have those airports that are successful have strong non aeronautical uh, income streams to their to their bow to the aeronautical bow. So I think for us, uh, if we look at the uh, uh, what we have tried to do is is um, invest. Uh, so we've invested, as I say, in the hotel. We we have sold land to recycle capital into other income generating assets. So we have bought uh, several lifestyle blocks around the airport. Uh, we have bought uh, other commercial buildings uh, in and around the airport, and we've also invested. Uh, because one of our key um, sort of uh, planks, if you like, is to is to reinvest the uh, the income generated from land sales into the core business. So we have, as an example, um, purchased off Air New Zealand uh, last year all of their um, hangar and on airport facilities at the airport uh, and uh, a number of other. Uh, hangers in and around the airport to help grow the general aviation piece. So I think uh, we are we are working, and, and then of course we've had to tenant those buildings, and and uh, and that's gone very very well. The last major building to tenant is in fact uh, what was the flight school uh, facilities um, pre-COVID with L3. We acquired the flight school infrastructure late last year, and we're currently. Uh, in the market to tenant um, that facility either to another flight school or in fact to a non-aeronautical um, tenant uh, if that is the case. So so I think um, we're growing our role um, both on airport as a, as a responsible landlord. We have about um, 60 to 70 um, either ground leases or, or um, building and ground lease um, tenants, uh, but we're also trying to create an environment for the general aviation business 
uh, Texel. You may have seen uh, a few 737s now flying into our airport to be serviced by Menzies. So that's a, a, that's a new piece of business for the airport and for Menzies. So we're looking to expand, uh, you know, Hamilton Airport is about 25% of all general aviation activity in New Zealand is, is wow. conducted out of Hamilton Airport. So it's important. Um, that's not always the most profitable part of our business, but we have a responsibility owned by the five councils uh, to foster our regional development and economic development. Pretty important uh, you know, to the region in terms yeah. of um, creating that tourism, whether it be business tourism, whether it be uh, you know, um, tourism as we th- as we think of it. But yep. um, it strikes me as uh, fascinating, this, the creativity that the airport is actually showing and actually creating different, or diversifying the land uses and in creating different, uh, different income streams. Mm. Just on that, you know, what are the sort of ecological or environmental considerations that you, you, you that impact you in terms of creating that sort of diversification? Look, I think up until recently, very little in the in the sense that um, uh, to operate an airport, you have certain um, uh, designations, and under the district plan, um, we we sort of fall under multiple district plans, both uh, Waipa, that's our territorial authority but also Waikato District and Hamilton City in respect of air noise boundaries and other associated designations uh, with our with our aeronautical, aeronautical activity, which, of course, we have to manage reverse sensitivities for the community um, because uh, we need to ensure the ability for the airport to conduct its business, you know, sort of in perpetuity. So there is often some some um, challenge there to ensure that we retain the, those um those right, uh, those those appropriate um, uh, rights to operate, uh, and that's has not been an issue uh, as a general statement. However, as we now start to embark on much greater land development opportunities, then uh, we are now pushing into um, sort of RMA legislation. Uh, we are, are pushing into. Um, uh, sort of the new um, national policy statement on in- indigenous biodiversity that only came into effect in legislation uh, a month or so ago, and that's now uh, that now drives um, the the issues and responsibilities around, for argument's sake, uh, the peka peka, the long-tailed bat, that's an endangered species, and that's currently some of the challenge we have around northern precinct, which. Whenever you're ready, Jeremy, I'm happy to talk about Northern, but um, that is the segue really into into the environmental challenges I think are significant as we enter this next decade. So let's pick up on that um, point, Mark, and, and, and jump straight into it because I know it's an exciting part of, uh, um, of the airport development. What's going on with this Northern precinct? Okay, um, look... Essentially, what we've got is a um, uh, hundred hectare dairy farm, so uh, rural use that we have uh, had a successful plan change with Waipa. We, in fact, um, have uh, partnered up with um, Rukahere Property Limited, which is the Yates family. They had uh, they've got thirty hectares adjoining our land, so it's a joint application for the plan change. And that was successfully navigated uh, through independent commissioners because Waipar is a shareholder of the of the airport, um, and we received the commissioner's decision mid-year, uh, which gave um, uh, the green light 
to our to our plan change. Uh, but of course, there was an appeal period, um, three month appeal period, and just at the very end of that appeal appeal period, Forest and Bird uh, lodged an appeal uh, based on the concern for the pika pika, the long tailed bat. Uh, and under that appeal process, um, that allows others to join that appeal, and the Department of Conservation have joined that appeal along with the Regional Council. But all focused, the only appeal elements are really uh, the long-tailed bat. Uh, so, but look, um, uh, the, the exciting piece is that ultimately it's 130 hectares of industrial commercial land that... Um, that we want to bring to market. Uh, and uh, I think, firstly, it sits within future proof, so it's very much land that is um, uh, design- uh, so the intended use um, for Waipa is industrial commercial land. Uh, and I think uh, there's uh, a, a shortage of industrial commercial land in, the, in, in this region. Certainly Hamilton City has a shortage, uh, and I think generally in, in the region there is a shortage Slightly different offering, perhaps, to Rilkura in the sense that we will sell the freehold of some of the land, um, and we see the land being developed on the basis of some will be land sales, some will be developed by the airport company, uh, and then sell the improvements, uh, and uh, a percentage of the land will be developed and held for the in-perpetuity income stream for the airport company. So... um do you see what you're doing at the airport as complementary to uh, Rukura and I and, and I guess um, you know to Tarapa Industrial mm-hmm. itself, or is it in competition? Look, I think the um, the fact that there is the option of freehold, then it is a different offering to Rukura. I think that the other element here is there's room for everyone in the sense that the region is short of industrial commercial land. Uh, and I think the other point here is that um, uh, development south of the city has been somewhat slow and starved of opportunity. I think the the uh, Peacock's residential development over time, and we know that's going to bring several thousand um, homeowners into Peacock's um, as it's eventually developed out, it really means that we may have... Um, an industrial commercial precinct at the airport that literally will be a couple of kilometres from from Peacocks, which allows the work from home and it, it, it mitigates some of the issues around carbon and the ability to to travel, walk, cycle or drive to and from work. So we we see the airport and the and the industrial developments around the airport um, uh, as providing that hub of activity sorry, hub of activity into the future. So I don't, so uh, of course it's in competition in some aspects, but overall I think uh, the developments are complementary to the to the fact that this region has a shortage of land, there's a greater emphasis um, to move out of Auckland for a lot of large um, uh, sort of uh, industrial commercial, so that large um, box um, distribution sort of centre um, facilities where land is scarce or and or very expensive in Auckland. It also complements uh, workforce where they can perhaps buy homes that are more affordable in the Waikato than they are in Auckland. Uh, and we've got a great roading network now compared to Auckland and and that's why we're such strong advocates for Southern Links that will ultimately join 
the network up. And, and, and you're right, you take a look at the development of peacocks and the way it can feed the hospital and the way that it can feed yep. the uh, airport and once the bridge is in, I guess the university becomes easily accessible as well. And that's that whole, um, I can I, I can bike to work type of um, scenario and I, can, uh, you know, I don't have to actually travel an hour to get to my place of work. I can bike close to where I need to actually be, but I can still be in a comfortable area that actually accesses um, the city the and facilities. all the fantastic things in the city that the city has to, uh, has to offer. So it is, it is really exciting development. I think we've all seen with the opening of the current expressway, the, the I mean, I can drive from the airport to Ruakura literally in about 10 minutes, 10 or 11 minutes. Um, that would have taken 20, 25 minutes before that expressway opened. Yeah. So I think we... And, and we're, we're, what we're really doing is we're maximising the advantages that Hamilton is actually giving us. Absolutely, and we and we hope perhaps with with a uh, with a view that Southern Links and other um, and 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 other sort of um, uh, infrastructure requirements of the region may receive a, a more sympathetic ear under a national led government than perhaps under under the previous Labour led government, and certainly that's the the early conversations uh, that or that uh, national were, were were sending into the market uh, with obviously. I guess roads of national significance, Mark II, um, uh, that was recently announced in the transport policy pre-election. So, I think that's good for our. Re- I think it's better than good. I think it's great for our region. The challenges that the region uh, coordinates in response to that opportunity. So let's just leave uh, development aside um, for a moment. And you mm-hmm. spoke briefly about some of the aviation opportunities that are occurring at the. Uh, um, at the airport, but um, uh, you also you also mentioned um, in the presentation that you give, you gave uh, about um, private hangars and these types of mm-hmm. things, um, which sounded really really interesting because I guess uh, uh, you know a lot of what what happens at the airport if you're not out there the whole time it just it it it, it passes you by. So mm-hmm. um, you know maybe tell us a little bit about the aviation side. Yeah, no, thanks, Jeremy. And I've, look, a couple of aspects here. I think one very um, real and positive uh, aspect is uh, is a company called Rotorcraft, who were operating on the western side of the airfield, uh, servicing helicopters pretty much from uh, from uh, Hamilton uh, through to Wellington. Uh, most helicopters in the southern part of the North Island are being serviced by Rotorcraft. Now, they such are the confidence they have is that they have purchased land off the airport company and they have... Um, built a whole a brand new helicopter maintenance base at the airport and that's due to open next month um, and that's just a, a great example of um, of the importance of general aviation to the to the airport the airport's role to try and facilitate that uh, we have kept the same amount of land that we have sold to rotorcraft we've kept uh, beside them because we will build a complementary um, uh, uh, hangarage facility for helicopters in due course. So again, we're trying to make sure that we align um, the aspirations of our tenants and and now landowners that are conducting aeronautical businesses with the airport's vision as well. More widely, we have sold uh, land airside to uh, to high net worth families that are looking at establishing private jet hangars at, um, at, at Hamilton. 
uh, and that um, that work is ongoing. It has been somewhat um, uh, um, interrupted by the economic situation and just the timing. These are significant um, family investments that need to be made, but uh, we have committed to um, uh, developing a, a jet taxiway um, uh, facility from the land um, and 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 fingers apron fingers from the from their land to our main runway, uh, that will be coordinated with the development of their hangars over the next uh, two or three years. So that's another um, sort of aspect uh, that we see is um, uh, a real opportunity, particularly as, uh, as um, I think Auckland Airport becomes somewhat more congested. Uh, as the RPT or the commercial passenger traffic is the main focus um, of Auckland Airport. So there is an opportunity, I think, to work with Auckland Airport to to um, to support that private jet uh, general aviation opportunity. So they're just um, sort of uh, two examples. I mentioned Menzies that have radically expanded their servicing to now deal with the Texel Australasian fleet. That means we'll have um, cycling through the airport about every six weeks, um, a 737-200 or 800 series jet for um, for servicing. Um, and they are also now already talking to us about um, how they can expand, which requires further hangarage. Uh, so I think there's some really exciting stuff going on in that general aviation piece. Not Notwithstanding some of the uh, challenges, we don't have a flight school in there, but uh, I, I, I feel confident we are we are in negotiations and discussions with a couple of parties um, for a, for the re-establishment of a flight school. So I think there's a general health around um, that commercial part of general aviation. I still think the private general aviation market is much tougher um, because um, owning planes and, and operating them is not is not uh, uh, that cheap and I think younger generations coming through are, are struggling with student loans and mortgages before they think about owning a, a Cessna. <laughs> so, um, but overall um, I have to say um, our role is to facilitate and to make sure th that we create those opportunities and I, and I think we're doing that. We're not perfect at it but I think um, uh, we're currently writing a general aviation strategy that will be ready about the second quarter of next year that uh, contemplates lots of what I've been saying, but more importantly contemplates um, what the airport should be doing over the next 20 to 30 years around general aviation. So we'll take all this general aviation, mm -hmm. and including you know, you know the commercial passenger business, we've got accommodation, uh, um, out at the out at the airport, we've got all of the industrial use. Like mm -hmm. this sounds to me like a whole lot of employment opportunities that is going to require, um, you know, uh, people coming from outside the region to uh, um, to to help grow Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we we talk a lot about this when we did some work on uh, on Southern Links and the. Uh, you know, if we have peacocks um, uh, fully developed out eventually, we're talking, I think, approximately some uh, seven or 8,000 people located in peacocks. We're talking about um, uh, currently some 1,500 to 2,000 people currently employed in and around the airport. We see that going to five or 6,000. So to your point, Jeremy, there, there, is, um, there is a huge opportunity to, to then... Um, how you know my point of where they're going to live, where they're going to work, 
that then leads into what is the the retail um, needs of 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 that community. So, how do we bring in um, sort of uh, those um, those other offerings that support that kind of growing community? So, and then we look at you know we look at Mystery Creek and we look at the work that's going on in around um, our area. Uh, Crater Lakes, Brian Herman's um, work at the northern end um, of the airport and on the western side of the airport. So I think, you know, in our view, there's about um, six or 700 hectares of land that in one way, shape or form is, is going to drive employment opportunities into the future. Tiki Golf Course is another one. Um, all of these facilities need people to work at them. And, and, and I think it illustrates significant confidence in Hamilton, short term, long term. People are confident that they can in, in, in invest here as, and, and, and it is going to return. Yeah, and look, I was at a, the New Zealand Airports Conference last week in Christchurch and uh, there was a number of sessions on um, uh, climate change and resilience and we were already aware, but what it struck to myself and my team was if we look at most airports in New Zealand, they've got water around them and near them, so they're, they're going to be subject to climate change. Some of them already are, West Coast, and that are seeking Crown support to to uh, deal with high water tables, um, let alone um, the impost of um, um, rising sea levels. You look at, uh, and then you look at issues around um, uh, natural disasters, earthquakes. Um, you come back to the Waikato, and and we, you know, Touchwood are a relatively safe geographical area. So not only are we close to to Auckland, and you know we've got two thirds of New Zealand's population living, you know, uh, Taupo North. Um, we have one and a half million people that live within less than an hour and a half drive of Hamilton Airport. So um, and um, so, I think that's a story that that will be needs to be told as well. Um. well thanks very much, Mark, for, for you telling us the airport story because uh, it's certainly it's certainly exciting. And I think if you were even if you were a residential uh, buyer um, or a residential investor looking to invest in Hamilton, um, aside from the commercial opportunities that you've uh, that you've explained. Um, you can be supremely confident that the, this is this is a growth market and, um, and and it's a great place to in, place to invest. So um, we started this uh, segment out um, with our two truths and a lie, and uh, you had three statements there, uh, Mark. Do you want to recap on those and just tell us which one of them uh, was fact and which one which ones were fact and which one was fiction? <laughs> That is a bit of a tongue twister, right. isn't it? Well, look, to, to recap, I said that um, almost one million uh, people interact with the airport on an annual basis, and that's in fact true. Um, because whilst we might have about 400-odd thousand people uh, actually flying, for every person that flies, there's on average a metre or greeter that supports that um, that departing or arriving passenger. Um the group has one of the largest balance sheets of regional New Zealand, uh, and yes, we do, um, if not the largest. So our balance sheet um, assets uh, five years ago was 60 million. Our assets today are 270 million. Um, 
the, the, the falsehood was Hamilton is the second largest regional airport by annual passenger volume. Unfortunately, we're not. Uh, we, uh, we are way down the list because we don't have um, air services into Auckland. So we look at Nelson, we look at Palmerston North, Hawke's Bay, um, all have greater passenger numbers than, than, um, than Hamilton does. So I guess um, there's a degree of competition um, for Hamilton with Auckland, um, particularly for some of those uh, South Island routes, and I mentioned Queenstown and yep. you know, greater yep. services into uh, into Christchurch, perhaps uh, as, as as reasons people may um, choose Auckland. But you know, from what I'm hearing, that may change at some stage in the future. Yeah, if I could get a quick plug in, what I would say is that if you're flying to Wellington or Christchurch out of Hamilton. The fares are comparable with Auckland. We, we, we check them every week for one week in advance and one month in advance. The challenge we have is when you want to fly to Queenstown or Dunedin or Nelson and, you're, and you're, you've got a two-sector fare and then we are not a, a competitive to Auckland. So, uh, But we're working on that with Air New Zealand. We remain committed to better uh, what we call connecting airfares. But, um, but if you're going to Wellington or Christchurch, um, we'd like you to use Hamilton Airport. Oh, I tell you what, it, the great thing about Hamilton Airport now that it's been uh, upgraded, it is a fantastic facility to uh, go in and uh, you get in and out nice and quick and you're not absolutely swamped by other passengers. So I can attest to that. <laughs> Mark, thanks uh, so much for t- uh, today. That has been a true insight into some of the real excitement. And if you haven't been out to the uh, airport recently, then uh, do try and uh, uh, organise yourself a flight and just take a look at how much has uh, change that's us that's it for this week thanks very much for tuning in and make sure that uh, you look out for your next episode of uh, the lodge real estate podcast thanks for joining us on the lodge real estate home truths podcast learn more about today's topic and our panel guests by visiting our website lodge.co.nz 